Yorkie in the pistol. Now Collins stands next to him in the shotgun. Yorkie asks for it and now has it. Yorkie will throw across the middle. Got it complete. Cody Rice behind the Wolverines. He dives. Touchdown, Michigan State. He split the defenders and the Spartans strike first in Ann Arbor. This is Spartan Red Zone, your source for the best MSU and college football analysis, picks, banter, and anything else going on in the college football world. Here's your host, Ryan Collins. Welcome back into SRZ, Ryan Collins, Eric Bach, Nathan Stearns, and we will be joined shortly by Joe Dandron after he charges his laptop. How are we doing today, boys, on this Wednesday before Thanksgiving? Feels good to be back home, not going to lie. There's always something nostalgic about going home on Thanksgiving, even though this year's a little bit different. I'll just be spending time with the immediate family. It's just, it's just nice, you know what I mean? It, it just gives you that kind of nostalgic sort of fall feel. I agree 100%. This, I don't get home very often because I'm a very busy man. And when I do come home, it's very nice, especially for the holidays. Like Stern said, very something very nostalgic about you know the house that you grew up in around the holidays it's really really quite nice what's it called the thing that's even crazier about this year i mean like you come home for thanksgiving usually every year especially for i mean us who have homes in state you kind of you, you might go home for one or two weekends a year before thanksgiving this year i i literally went up to school in august haven't been home since because covid so it, it has been nice get to see the family it's a little bit less going on because I'm the youngest in the family. So when I come home, there's no one else here. So it's just me and my parents, a lot of arguing. So it, 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 it's great to get back in the mix. It's high energy in the Collins house every time I walk through the door. I can picture the three of you just like you, your parents having this like harmonious life and then you show back up and that just throws the balance completely off. I can, I can totally see that happening. It's high energy. I mean, my, if someone doesn't eat for more than like <laughs> an hour and a half, like it's, it, we're at each other's throats. We, we're a hangry bunch, but we welcome in Joe Dandron into the show as his <laughs> laptop has finally charged and is on. How are we doing, Joe? If you can hear us. No, he cannot hear us. He will join us momentarily, but Speaking of Thanksgiving, I, I I was watching SEC Network last night, and I watched like this nice little SEC story, like documentary about like the twelfth man and like all the history of like what the twelfth man was at Texas A&M with all these walk-ons playing special teams. It was a cool story, and then I just I thought I'm like, why does Texas and Texas A&M not play anymore? I understand it's a big topic how they like either one of them they think they're too good for each other. It's so stupid. Play every play I, like. That was one of the great things. Like, I never used to watch, when I was younger, the night NFL game on Thanksgiving. I used to watch Texas A&M Texas because they usually used to play on Thanksgiving or they, I, I think, occasionally would play on the Friday after. But it, it boggles my mind that they don't play each other. Yeah, the Texas A&M has always, for a while, Once when they first joined the SEC, they'd play LSU. on uh on that weekend sometimes it'd be thanksgiving night other times it'd be black friday so yeah i mean the fact that it would just be easy for the two of them to schedule each other every year in non-conference for you know get a nice uh difficult out of conference game that could kind of boost your playoff resume if you win seems like kind of a no-brainer but i don't understand it either 
it's weird because my brother lived in Texas and I would always ask him and he said, neither of them, they just think they're better than like either both programs are like, we don't need you. We don't need you. It's, it's just wild to me, but whatever. I, I, I digress. Big news in the college football world. College football playoff came out last night on Tuesday and I, I have some takes and I'm assuming you guys have some takes too, but the top 10 right now, number one, Bama, number two, Notre Dame, number three, Clemson, number four, Ohio state, number five, Texas A&M, number six, Florida, seven, Cincinnati, eight, Northwestern, good for Northwestern, number nine, Georgia, and number 10, Miami, Florida. I need to rant about Georgia. I just have to. And I, I, I you guys can jump in, but whatever, I, like, I don't get this thing about Georgia. I understand they have all this talent. This has happened in the last, I think, like three years. And I'm not, nothing irked me more than, my, I think, two years ago, when they lost the Bama in the SEC championship game and they didn't really beat anyone in a non-conference and people were like, well, they have all this talent. They should be in the playoff. At some point results need to matter. Why is Georgia in the top 10? And, and, and people are like, Oh, if they played BYU on a neutral, no BYU would beat Georgia by two touchdowns. Use your eyes just for two seconds. Georgia can't score any points, any points. It doesn't even matter if their defense is top five or generational, they stink on offense. I'm tired of Georgia. I'm tired of the SEC love. Like I get a and I don't think a and the fifth best team in the country. I think Florida might be. Like that, That's fine. But, like, I don't know. I don't get Georgia being in the top ten. And BYU, I mean, I get, I, they haven't played anyone either. I understand that. But, if like, in the year of COVID, if you're using your eye test, they, I, you watch that offense and tell me they can't compete on a national stage, you're lying. Yeah, no, the fact that Georgia is number nine and BYU is number 14 is a little bit backwards, I think. And obviously the committee has respect for Cincinnati putting them at number seven. But, and granted, Cincinnati does play in a better league than BYU, but I don't know how. BYU can be I mean they've played the most games out of anyone on this list and the committee has the most chances to see them so I don't really get it I I, the fact that BYU is 14 is a little bit ridiculous to me I'm fine with the top four um I think the first I would put even though I guess you, you say results matter, Colin. You got to put Texas A&M ahead of Florida because they both have one loss and they have the head-to-head matchup. So I'm fine with that. Um, Northwestern at eight. I mean, the, I respect Northwestern. I think they're pretty good. I think eight's a little high. But I, I didn't have too big of an issue with the top 10 other than Georgia being included and BYU not being included. I would agree. I, I, I don't disagree with the top four. And, you- I mean – I mean, Clemson and Notre Dame are going to play each other. That, that'll be a playing game when they play next time. So whoever wins that game, I think, will probably be out of the playoff. Joe Dantern is back with us, by the way, folks. Yes, yeah, my, my, I'm, I'm back. I'm back. Um, I really don't – I really, really, really disagree with BYU being number 14. I've watched a couple – I've watched, I think, two BYU games. Um, and both times – I mean, they have the largest average margin of victory – um, among any FBS team, they win by an average of 34 points a game. I think it was 33, 33.8 or something. And I mean, and that speaks for itself, that stat. I mean, yeah, they don't play anybody, but the people they do play, they 
annihilate. They win by 30 every game. You know, I mean, they beat Boise State, who was ranked at the time when they faced them. And, and BYU's original schedule had, like, five Power 5 teams on it. Yeah, including Michigan you know, State. I mean, yeah, I mean, they were ready to prove to the committee. And, and they've got an opening in their schedule, and so does Cincinnati. And if those two teams play, that could determine some things. I Do I think that either of them gets in the Final Four? No. You, I agree with the top four as well. I don't agree with Ohio State being um, four. I think they're better than that. I think their resume might be a little bit better than that. Um, but, you know, I do I disagree. Florida. They deserve – they know. are exactly where they should be right now. I think Nate, they're the third best team. Nate, when you looked at – is there a scenario that Notre Dame and Clemson both get in the playoff? No. I uh, – Oh, I disagree I with I, that. It depends who – it just depends on how things shake out. It depends who. It depends how good Florida does. It depends how good A and M does. But I, I cannot, for the life of me, fathom how you can put Ohio State below Clemson. At the end of the day, Clemson has one loss. Ohio State doesn't have any losses. You can well, only play who's on your schedule. You know, COVID. Everybody's dealing with COVID. Everybody's dealing with something. Okay, Ohio State. Other than the Indiana game, and that was a good team that they beat. In Saturday at the shoe, they've beaten everybody they played. You can't put a one-loss team ahead of a no-loss team, especially when that team's going to go undefeated and win one of the Power Five conferences. Flat out. I here's my here's my thing about that. Right now, Ohio State is exactly where they belong. Notre Dame and Clemson played what is probably the best going to be the best game of the regular season. I mean, overtime without Trevor, mind you, um, and. Ohio State, if Ohio State wins out, wins the Big Ten, they will not be number four. But if Clemson and Notre Dame are – if Notre Dame takes care of their business this Friday against North Carolina, um, Notre Dame and Clemson are going to play again for the ACC championship. And Clemson, with Trevor, will likely win that game. So Notre Dame has one loss. Clemson has one loss, and they're to each other. Both of those two are going to be in. And the only way that – the only way that one of those two gets left out is if Florida beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, because then it'll be Alabama. If Alabama wins out and loses Florida in the SEC championship game, Alabama's still going to be in the play. My words. And Florida will be in, Alabama will be in. The winner of the second Notre Dame Clemson game will be in, and Ohio State. Like, there's no scenario where Ohio State gets left out of the playoff, but. Unless it's, it'll be that Northwestern Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. If Alabama wins, unless, unless if if those if Alabama and Ohio State both went out, they're shoe ins, and if so, Notre, the loser of the Notre Dame Clemson rematch is going to have to cheer hard for Alabama to beat Florida in the SEC championship game because if Florida beats Alabama, then Florida's in, Alabama's in. The winner of the ACC championship game is in, in Ohio State. That's the only way that it's not that top four if Florida beats Alabama. Well, the thing that's interesting, too, about the SEC is that they've rescheduled a bunch of these games, and they don't they haven't canceled, like, any of them, really. They've, they've just said, we've postponed these games. And I'm pretty sure Florida's got, like, two postpones. So I'm interested to see what they do with that. I, I, I could be wrong with that, they could have canceled them by now. But, I mean, 
We'll see. I, I, I think the top four now, I, I think it'll change. I, I possibly, I, I don't think Notre Dame's going to end up in the playoff. Uh, I, I'll mention that later in the show. But other than that, I mean, around the college football world, Saban actually has COVID, not coaching an Iron Bowl this week. I'm wondering maybe if there's an outbreak on the Alabama team, if there's even an Iron Bowl this week. I heard you had COVID. Well, no. False they, positive. False positive was the last time, I guess. So it is what it is. So, yeah, he has, like, mild symptoms, so prayers go out to him. But let's get into the Big Ten. I mean, last week, n- not a stellar stellar uh, week in the Big Ten. But we got to start off with Friday night, and I have to throw it to my officiating buddy, Eric Bach. Was that the worst call you've ever seen? One of the worst. I mean, it's it was a game decider. You can survive that call in the second quarter. You can't survive it when it wipes off the game-winning touchdown with 30-some seconds to go in the game. You just can't do it. And we're and, talking about the Purdue-Minnesota game. I forgot to mention that. Yes, it, offensive pass interference on Purdue that was – the, the first angle they showed was deceiving in that it made it look like there was zero contact. There was a tiny bit of contact, but it was not nearly enough to warrant a flag and that wiped off the game-winning touchdown. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I have no words. That's like the worst thing that I've ever seen. I, I mean, I, I'm going to mention it later with Jeff Brown, but he was getting it after it. And, and, and the crazy thing about it, too, did you see the play with David Bell? Could you Can you give me an explanation why that wasn't a catch? The one where it was, like, tipped up by, like, eight different guys, and then he ended up catching it. It looked like he had possession, and they called him an incomplete pass. Yeah, I, did, I haven't seen that play, so I don't, okay. I don't I, know Stearns, what. Stearns, did you watch that game? I got parts of it. Yeah, I'll, I, I'll say this. I might just be the biggest Purdue football slappy, but I, I that Jack Plummer quarterback, and I know Minnesota's defense is not great. He looked very good. So I'm just and, – and Rondell Moore literally comes on the field first game he plays this year, and, and, and you immediately see it. You're like, this guy is head and shoulders the best athlete on the field. So it was nice to see Rondell Moore back on Friday night. Uh, another – I mean, Iowa ranked 24 – I I don't know how to like feel about this Iowa team because they've they beaten no one really, but like they've beaten Michigan State, they've beaten Penn State, and who's their third win? Yeah, but they've won kind of impressively on all their like that's the problem. Minnesota, I, didn't they? They beat Minnesota yeah. by four scores earlier. It's not exactly weeks. an impressive slate of wins there. I don't disagree, but I. I don't know. I mean, the first two weeks of the year, they literally looked like they gave up on Ferentz, and now they're rolling. So, and, and they're moving it offensively, and they're throwing the ball like I have not seen them do in a very long time at Iowa. Like, they're moving it around like when they had Marvin McNuck in Cornelius, whatever that guy's name was, who was sick, number 15. Don't I, I, don't, I don't remember the second part of his last name. But, yeah, Iowa, I mean, whatever. Johnson Culianos. Yeah, he was a beast. He was so good. Him and Marvin McNutt. <laughs> Who's their quarterback then, Eric? Do you remember? Ricky Stanzi. Was that who it was? Yeah. Ricky yeah. Stanzi broke my heart in 08 and oh. that final of play. Oh. Chris L. Rucker yes. on a slant route. Just, I remember that. I mean, oh. hate to see God. it, but whatever. I was in my Snuggie in uh, I was in at section the game. Three. Yeah, same. I was in a Snuggie in Section 3. 
watching that. Oh man, it's tough. That was it. Yeah, that was a year before <laughs> my family got season tickets. That's what bought us all in. We're like, yeah, we have to get our hearts broken after something like that. But it turned out to be a pretty good Michigan State football run after that. But move on. Big, biggest game in the conference: Indiana, Ohio State. Indiana, I'll say this, Indiana shot themselves in the foot a lot of times in Columbus, and they had an opportunity at the end of the game to go tie it. So I'm going to give Tom Allen and Indiana a lot of credit. They they hung in tough. I I, I thought they were going to get blown out, and, and, and they exposed some weaknesses in that Ohio State secondary. No thoughts? Yes, guys? they did. Well, <laughs> go ahead, Stearns. I didn't say anything. Uh, you have uh, no thoughts on this game. No, I mean, I, I told you guys that Indiana, I thought, was a gutsy team. I thought Indiana was a gritty team. I thought this was a team that I had a hard time thinking they were going to go down into the shoe and lose by three scores. Now, talent-wise, yes, Ohio State's a lot better, and this is a revealing game for them because this is the first real team that they played all year. But I'm not ready to you know, say that they have this damning sort of inconsistency on the back end of the secondary. Yes, they have issues and Phil Yorn Fryfo will expose them a little bit, but anytime you can struggle as badly as OSU did in the second half, especially at home, and you can find a way to win, that's what the great teams do. You find a way to win when everything isn't going your way. And so this is the wake up call that they needed. The the Buckeyes will be fine. And Indiana is a very gritty team. Indiana is a team that frankly should probably be in above Georgia in the college football playoff conversation um, because that was impressive. I mean, there, there's no shame. They were, what, 10 in the AP poll before this latest round of uh, rankings. There's no shame in going to the shoe and losing by seven. I mean, they exceeded everybody's expectations. They were down for the count time and time and time and time again. And th- that's a testament to Allen. That's a testament to those guys of wanting to pull off a big upset and they weren't able to do it but I think the Big Ten for all intents and purposes the Big Ten championship with the two true best teams was that game on Saturday because I think on a neutral field Indiana beats Northwestern I really do so uh, that I think that 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 was that was a really good game those are the two best teams in the Big Ten I I really I really think so I'll say this I mean they made Justin Fields look bad they did and, and, and they scored 40 – Ohio State scored 42 points. So you're like, what, what do you mean? He threw two uncharacteristic interceptions in that game and was fortunate on one of them that Indiana fumbled on, on the interception. Yeah. So they were able to get the football back. Indiana drops a four, on a fourth and two tie Fry Goyle. I think it was like 10 to nothing at this point. I don't know how to say his last name. I'm sorry. Fry Goyle. Cardinal, yeah. He, yeah dropped, he, he dropped a huge <laughs> fry version. I, yes. I, I, I'm just ignoring so him. I did not say his name right. So Ty Gargoyle. Yeah, whatever. Ty Gargoyle. Whatever. He he had a night. I mean, he had another game over 200 yards. But I'm shout out to Indiana. They look good. I mean, Ohio State's Ohio State. I think they'll figure it out. But they're secondary. I mean. There's there there's questions there. I don't know if there's anyone in the Big Ten who could expose those flaws. But if you get to the college football playoff and you play someone like Clemson, you play someone like Bama, you play someone like Florida, that could be a complete. I mean, that could be a huge issue. But I mean, could have been a blowout. That that the game was teetering on the brink. It was twenty eight to seven. Yeah, Ohio State. And well, Ohio State was up through I think they were up four touchdowns at one point, and Indiana with four minutes left to go had an opportunity to tie the football. Yeah. Game. 
and they and Indiana I think had, go Indiana, ahead. They almost had a almost had a pick six or it got called back or something. That well, I would have swung things too. I mean, Indiana, well, when they Indiana fumbled the interception, that might be what I'm thinking of. And well, in Ohio State, had a pick six too. I mean, that was yeah. what basically clinched the game for him when Sean Wade picked off Penix. But um, the, the the difference in the game when it was 28 to seven, I think Ohio State kind of relaxed a little bit. Yeah. And, when it got to that point. And I think that they lost their focus a little bit and Indiana was able to kind of creep back in. So um, it very well could have been, could have turned into a blowout had Ohio state kind of kept their foot on the gas. But I, mean, um, I don't, I don't think that, I mean, credit to Indiana though. I mean, they hung right in there and did, did everything they could to, to win in the shoe. I was going to say Indiana's offense for much of that game. I mean, they had like negative five rushing yards in the game. Yeah. They turned around the football. They, no, they could not run the football at all. And they didn't look good, really, for a lot of that game. But that in the second half, I mean, panics, I mean, that offense came alive. And, I mean, I couldn't believe that they were able to get back into it, you know. But, mm-hmm. I, I mean, and they, and they, I thought it showed a lot about that Indiana team, showed a lot of toughness and showed that. I mean, they could compete with Ohio State. Like, I think if you play that game again, it's, a, it's, even, it's close again, too. You know, I do yeah. think Ohio State is obviously the better football team, but it was super obvious that that secondary – for Ohio State has a lot of problems. Yeah, I'm just I, I I was surprised how good that Indiana defense played. They causing turnovers. Yeah, and, and, and one of those to one of those one of those interceptions was pretty fluky. But yeah, but I mean they got pressure on fields all day. Like it, 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 oh yeah, I know. It, four. They like they the first drive like, of that game, it didn't yeah. really look like they were going to be able to do so. But then after that, I mean, they were in his face all game. They blitzed a lot and they got gashed in a run, but they took their chances and they they got the fields and made them cause some horrible throws. So I mean, good game there. But I, I, another good game in the Big Ten was Wisconsin and Northwestern. And Northwestern, first of all, Northwestern should wear those white face masks with their helmets every single week. They look fantastic. Uh, that that that's my big headline after that game but I mean Northwestern just kind of out toughed Wisconsin Wisconsin kind of came uh, Wisconsin didn't play very well how about I, I'll just say that I still think Wisconsin's probably a better football team but I mean you gotta give Pat Fitzgerald credit where credit's due this is the most Pat Fitzgerald team I think Northwestern's had in a very long time yeah it's gonna be a 10 it, yeah it, it, if it was a normal year this is a 10 win team in five years from now you're not gonna remember one guy who <laughs> I mean, how many how many how many players do you remember from that team that went to Indy two years ago? Zero. Exactly. I mean, one or two. Yeah. Exactly. So you got, I mean, the Ben don't break defense of Northwestern. I'm not the biggest fan of when you run something like that, but Mertz was giving away the football like those free samples at Sam's Club. I mean, just mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. And frankly, Pat Fitzgerald coach circles around Chris. Let's call it what it was. I mean, this is a guy who consistently flies under the radar, but over the last, since he's gotten there, he's been impressive. I mean, they, they've had several double-digit win seasons, and he, how, how can you not? I mean, I, I, I thought Wisconsin was going to run him off the field. I really did. Northwest, there's a, Northwestern's always the team that looks really, really sloppy against bad opponents, but whenever there's a good team, you always wonder how the heck is this tied going into the fourth quarter every time, yeah. every time. And the next two weeks for Michigan State are going to be rough. 
I mean, it's yeah. going to be a bloodbath. This week that you got the West representative, next week you're going to have the East representative. So <laughs> as bad as the first four weeks have been for Michigan State football, these next two weeks are going to you're, – you're, it's times like the, especially in the second half when you're going to wish, wish there was a running clock rule in college football because Michigan State's going to have a tough, tough game. We'll break down that Michigan State Northwestern yeah. matchup a little bit later, but I mean, yeah, I, I, you said it perfectly, Nate. Basically, this team on a regular year probably won ten games, and you wouldn't remember a whole lot. They probably have one or two pros, not a lot of flashy guys, but they're a well-coached team, well-disciplined, and they fight. So, credit to Northwestern. Stick with the white face mask. Other games in the Big Ten, Nebraska gets housed by Illinois. Like, that game was never close. And I think Nebraska was 17-point favorites going in. They were down, like, 24 to nothing right off the jump. So, not good for my boy, Scott Ross. I'm starting to lose faith there. Uh, and Michigan and Rutgers, and the most unlike entertaining, entertaining football game of all time. Because, I mean, these two teams, they're not doing anything this year. But, I mean, Cade McCarra, was it Matt DeMera? Yeah, Cade Matt yep. DeMera came in in relief and he looked really good for Michigan. He definitely gave him a jump start. Um, I don't know what they do with the quarterback situation. I heard he is starting this week against Penn state, but this man, I mean, I, I I'm going to give credit to Rutgers. They should have won this football game. They should, you're up 17, nothing like whatever you let Michigan back in the football game. But I mean, Michigan misses a field goal in the OT and then Rutgers misses a field goal in the OT to win the football game after a couple of really bad play calls. But, I mean, just a very funny, very entertaining game. I think everyone on Twitter is like, why am I watching this? And then you're like, JK, this was actually a very fun game to watch. I was happy I watched this. Rutgers had – you said it, Collins. The fact – their play calling in overtime before their missed field goal is what lost them the game. So I mean, bad. among other things that happened at the end of regulation, but they still had a chance to win – and I think was it the first overtime or the second overtime? But I it was the first they, overtime. Michigan, yeah. Missed when when Michigan missed, and then Rutgers, all they had to do was kick it, and then um, they they basically just didn't try to gain any yards to get any closer for their kicker, and um, and they, I mean, they've got they just basically quarterback sneaked it and then left a 40 some yard field goal for their kicker. And obviously, you know, in college football, that's not a sure thing at all. And basic and got conservative and lost the game for themselves. Yeah. So when your kicker's a converted soccer kicker. That's what I was about to say. I mean, There's no way Rutgers has a good kicker. That's like one of those programs. You see Rutgers kicker trot out there from like 30 yards. You're like, uh Oh, does he get it off the ground? Cause uh, or uh, that's the thing about college football. Rutgers either has the best kicker in the country or literally has a guy who walked on the team the day before the season started. But, I mean, another week in the Big Ten. Move on to the awards in honor of Michigan State playing Northwestern this week. I already used Dan Persa, who was one of my spirit animals growing up. He was a fantastic. That's the thing about Northwestern. When they have bad teams, I remember their players. I mean, Dan Persa, they weren't bad, but. When they have teams that are like seven and five, I remember their players. But when they're actually good, I don't remember their players. So this week, the SRC, Mike Kafka, Offensive Player of the Week. I, I believe who was the quarterback before Persa. Shout out Mike Kafka. 
I, I'm going with the guy in the Big Ten, Michael Penitz. I mean, he I think he had like 500 yards, five TDs, one interception. I know he threw the ball like almost 60 times, but I, I thought he hung tough and made a lot of good throws in the shoe when their bats were against the wall. So I'm going to give Michael Penitz his due. I got to go with Rattler, man. Boy, was he electric at Norman. 17 to 24, 301 yards, four scores. Oklahoma embarrassed Oklahoma State, and you felt like this was a long time. At least I did, that this was a long time coming. Oklahoma State has kind of floated on a razor's edge for several weeks now, and they got exposed. Rattler proved how much better he was than the entire Oklahoma State defense. That was a dominating performance for the Sooners, one that they had been looking for. I'm going to go with. Uh, I went. Oh. Go ahead, Joe. Okay. Sorry, Bach. I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to go with Zach Wilson from BYU. Yeah. Uh, four touchdowns, 10 to 16, 212. Third straight week with above a 91 rating QBR. Joe, did you see the headband he was wearing? Yes. That's a tough look right now. <laughs> I, oh, man. I, this BYU team, they're underrated. People need to take some notice. They, if they get into New York Six, they will win that game. I agree. I completely By two scores. Agree. Two scores. This offense is nuts. I think Zach Brock, you have not watched a single snap of BYU football. I guarantee that. I think Zach Wilson's a first-round pick, honestly. He's been that good. So, uh, if you haven't watched BYU, go watch him. What, what, what makes you say I haven't watched a single snap of BYU football? Okay, I take that back. We did watch one snap at the UN, the University of North Alabama game. Oh, come on. No, no. I mean, before that. I mean, come on, man. It's I watched games. Off right there, Joe Danger. Jeez, that is tough. Um, I picked Cade McNamara only to make the point to make fun of Michigan fans because the fact that they go on Twitter afterward and say, hey, we found our quarterback, it's like an exercise in futility. Yeah. They, they think that they, they go, it's like if you go back, it's the same exact tweets except you take out Joe Milton's name and put in Cade McNamara's name. Then you go back a couple of years, you plug in Shea Patterson's name. And you go back a couple of years before that, you plug in John O'Corn's name. It's just, it's like, <laughs> he comes in, it has a very nice game. I'm not trying to detract from what he did on Saturday because it was very impressive to come off the bench and throw for 260 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, that's no small feat. But no. at the same time, I mean, so he is deserving of this award, but it's, interesting to me to see how they Michigan fans go on Twitter say yep we found our guy all our problems are solved Harbaugh's job is safe we're gonna win out I mean it's like it's like if we just had played McNamara from the beginning of the year we wouldn't have any of the problems that we have it's like well, I think the problem is that they weren't so playing McNamara funny. from the beginning of the year outside yeah, of Minnesota games I don't know it's I so I funny yeah, Matt Demare was definitely better than Milton. I don't know if Milton's like the reason why they've struggled so much this year. I actually like Joe Milton, but I don't know. I think Michigan fans, to be honest, too, there's a, there's a part of the fan base now that is like actually getting in with the humor. Like I had buddies like texting me like after like two plays like Heisman, like it, like that's funny. Like I, I I think that's I think they're understanding and like being a part of the joke a little bit that Michigan overhypes these guys little bit too much because i mean like after the minnesota game i i I think people thought milton was a second savior like cam newton so it's funny how quickly things can change but we'll move on to the srz eric smith defensive player that we shot at eric smith safety at michigan state back in the day number 36 on those bad john l teams 
<sighs> Who do you got, Nathan Stearns? I got Hankwitz, the DC, Mike Hankwitz, the DC for Northwestern, who's been there forever. I mean, he, he's been there as long as Fitzgerald's been. He's been his right-hand man, and man, was that impressive. Again, I know I said it earlier, but Wisconsin's offense through the first two weeks of the year, and then the obviously you have the abbreviated schedule with all their COVID, ta- you know, with all those COVID games canceled, nobody could stop them. I mean, this is a team that obviously runs, 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 runs inside zone, outside zone, pulls two guards, kicks everybody out. And you can't stop them. They play a very 1960s backyard brawl style of football. And Northwestern found a way, and I love coaching when you know that you're outmanned, but you get your guys up to play anyway. When you look at the Northwestern offensive line, you see, or the Northwestern defensive line, you see a bunch of 275-pound kids. You look at the Wisconsin offensive line, they had interior offensive line. You see guys that can move well at 320 pounds. They employed that Ben don't break defense and Mertz. They move the ball, but man, give him credit for finding those are the breaks you needed. You have to force turnovers in games like that. You have to kick him off his can a little bit because first two games, he was doing exactly what he wanted to do. And Northwestern looked like the more veteran team and they looked like the team that wanted it more. And I think there's something to be said when nobody expects anything of you. Let's be honest. Nobody expected Northwestern to win. So when nobody expects anything of you and the pressure is completely off your head, you go in and you play looser. And I think, you know, Wisconsin knowing that they had to win this game, knowing that they're floating on a razor's edge because every game that they play is canceled the next week, including this one, including this coming week against Minnesota. So, I mean, for all intents, that was just an impressive, impressive performance. Any way you slice it, keeping Wisconsin to seven points that entire game, I got to go with Hankwitz. Okay, we'll move on to Eric Bott. Who'd you take this week? I have um, the Liberty and NC State offenses. I took a page out of Nathan Stearns' book um, and uh, picked an entire unit. Um, Dandron and I uh, decided to (laughs) dip our toe, dip our toe into the parlay world this Saturday. And we almost won. Big. We would, we would have hit other than Dandron's bright idea to bet the over in the Liberty NC State game, which was sixty six and a half, and this game ended fifteen. Incredibly to high, incredibly yeah. high. So, um, and we watched this game. This is the first time I really sat down and watched Liberty, and they, they are offensively inept. I mean, like <laughs> the fact that they are where they are is is i don't know what happened it's not like nc state some world beater on defense i mean these these guys offensively i mean their quarterback was missing people by 15 yards nc state was committing penalties every other play and liberty still couldn't get in the end zone i mean nc there were multiple fights there were multiple fights 150 yards and penalties nc state had love that i mean the fact that Liberty only got 14 points, I don't know. It it wasn't it was pitiful. It was pitiful. They're those two offenses. So that's why they're my defensive players of the week. The fact that Liberty lost that game was incredible. There were multiple like bench clearings. Love it. Gotta love that. Keeps it, people, I couldn't it keeps was people going. That also also Collins, the uh, over on the points was the only one that didn't hit for our like eight bet parlay. 
<laughs> Dude, that's the worst, too, when you got an over. That's like not even and close. It was you 20 watch, like, to win. $20 to win, $20 because USC covered in the nightcap. $20 to win a whole lot. That's sad. Yeah. It happens. It happens. But my Eric Smith Defensive Player of the Week is Grant Morgan. And this is not even for the week. I, I was looking at the like stats that like I kind of do weekly, and I looked at the season stats, kind of stumbled upon it. Arkansas linebacker Grant Morgan has 101 tackles. That's 14 more tackles than the Nets person in the country. So shout out Grant Morgan. Absolutely putting up a monster year for Arkansas. I've become an Arkansas guy because I like Sam Pittman. I like guy who guys who cry in their press conferences. So uh, shout out Arkansas. And uh, I want to give them a little shout out on the defensive player of the week. Dandron, are you going with Liberty too as your defensive player? No, no, I'm going with uh... – the probably one of the best college football names in private history, Smoke Monday from Auburn. Fantastic. He had a uh, hundred yard pick six, hundred yard, uh, yeah, interception return for a touchdown, and then he had uh, four tackles. So, Smoke Monday, it's my guy. Shout out Smoke. Okay, move on to the SRZ Joey Ellis Memorial Powerhouse Unit slash Frame of the Week. Nathan Stearns, I think you have a pretty popular one. Yeah, I, I say this as a student journalist myself, as Eric is, as you are, Collins, as Joe is. Pat Fitzgerald thanking those student journalists when his weekly media availability opened up earlier in the week, I think it was yesterday, when he said that if this is the last game you guys are covering at Ryan Field just because you're probably, you might be going home for Thanksgiving and aren't going to come back, we're going to miss you take care you guys have done a really good job with our coverage it's like that's the stuff you love to see and that's why because he, he's such a good guy he really really i mean i'm not a northwest slappy by any stretch of the imagination but it's just when you win doing everything the right way kind of like what tom allen's doing in indiana when you don't get the highest rated recruits when you're undermanned physically when you don't have 85 nfl players like michigan does every year Speaking of which, can you imagine what would happen if Fitzgerald got Michigan's roster every year? Good God almighty. So it just, how can you, I mean, that was just such a classy gesture and it meant a lot to a lot of people. And he's just a good, he didn't have to do that, but Fitzgerald's a good guy for doing that. And I give him a lot of props for doing that. Love it. I went with, I went with Mike Norvell, Florida State's coach, because Florida State, I mean, I think most people know about the dust uh, between Clemson and Florida State this week. Clemson traveled to Tallahassee. The medical staffs from both teams could not agree on, you know, guidelines to play the game because somebody from Clemson that traveled tested positive the, like the Friday night after they arrived. And so I, I loved what Mike – because Dabo makes this asinine comment about how Florida State – like duck was ducking Clemson and all these things. And um, Mike Norvell just very calmly said, coaches are not doctors. And um, that's, that statement could not be more true, especially during this, these pandemic times. I mean, coaches are going to say what they're going to say. We saw what Dan Mullen said a few weeks ago after Florida had their outbreak after Florida had just missed two games in a row because of COVID. And he was like advocating to pack the swamp full of 90,000 people. I mean, coaches are going to say what they're going to say and Mike Norvell very wisely probably had somebody in his ear saying dude you got to just like back up your medical people here and he wisely did 
I thought that that was a very smart move on his part, just not even engaging Dabo in the public, in the public domain and just saying coaches are not doctors. I thought that was a really smart move, especially as somebody, Mike Norvell, who has missed games this year because he's had COVID himself. It was a very smart move on his part to, to not engage in that. So he, for that reason, he's my Joey Ellis Memorial powerhouse unit frame of the week. Dabo's out of chill, dude. I don't, I like, I, he's, if any coach deserves to have COVID. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's Dabo. I don't think Dabo's I mean, he, a bad he has guy. been, he has been a complete jerk about this from the very beginning. Cause he knows he's, Got a team that probably can win the national championship and global pandemic be damned. He's not going to let that get in his way. I don't think Dabo is like necessarily like, a, he seems like a genuinely like nice person. Like everything I've seen throughout the years this year, I just like, he just has no sense of the moment, like what's going on right now. And he's just been super insensitive about a, a variety of different things that have been going on in our country. So, I, I don't know. Dad, I'll figure it out. Uh, I'm going to go my SRC Joey Ellis Memorial Powerhouse Frame slash unit of the week is Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom, I'm a Jeff Brom guy, always have been. If you've seen that video of him chucking that folding chair at Western Kentucky, it's hard not to be a Jeff Brom guy. I give him all the credit in the world for not murdering that official on Friday night in Minneapolis. And I thought he might have. I wanted him to. And, and, and you saw people on Twitter. First of all, there's never been more people in the national media tweeting about Purdue football than there was on Friday night. If he like threw a chair at the like in his press conference, I think everyone would have been, I would have been so happy. But I, 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 mean, I mean, I guess Jeff Brom's a bigger man than I am. And I never thought I would say that. I feel like Jeff Brom is definitely taking the low road instead of the high road usually. So shout out Jeff Brom. I need to give him a shout out this week. Why do you say that? Okay. I don't know. He's a he's a, he's a fiery guy. Where's his emotions on his shoulder? Hey, that's Those are usually that's low road that's guys, what we like to see. high road guys. That's what we like to Doesn't see. Doesn't wear his emotions on his sleeve. He wears them on his shoulder. Same thing. Even higher. That is Even the higher. same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's on your sleeve, by the way. So that's, that's the saying, though. It, it's. I think both of them are. I think both of them are regularly said. I've never heard anyone other than you say wears emotions on his shoulder. Either I, and I say the weirdest things <laughs> don't to mankind, and I've never heard that either. I mean, yeah, his shoulders <laughs> are a lot of emotion. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but Joe Dandron, who do you got? Hey, I'm my memorial frame of the week. I'm going back to Cougs. Go Cougs. Kalane Satake from the head football coach at BYU. He went on, he was on the college football playoff show last night. He said, We are not afraid of anybody. He's Play my Washington down. Dude's a unit. Played fullback at BYU. From 94 to then 97 to 2000. <laughs> Shout out to BYU weird. for sticking with him, too. It was a rocky start when he got Oh, there. I know. It was. It was. But, man, they've got a quarterback and they got a wide receiver, too. Yeah, they. I mean, they're good. B, that's the thing about BYU. BYU usually was good, like, at least when I was growing Like, I remember growing up, I'm like, oh, they're usually like a solid team. And, like, they had those Taysom, Taysom Hill, Gunnar Maddenham years where they were, like, decent, but they would beat a really good team every once in a while. But shout out BYU. They're having a really nice year. But let's move into the Michigan State portion of the show. Spartans take on Northwestern at 3.30 this week. Northwestern 5-0. and They're basically going to Indy. I mean, Wisconsin's not going to be eligible to go to the Big Ten 
championship. Um, Payne, Payne Ramsey, the Indiana transfer, has been pretty solid. Been a good game manager. 926 yards through the air, eight TDs, and four interceptions. Drake Anderson and Isaiah Bowser splitting the carries. They're pretty even. I think they're both around like 280 for on, on the season. They're scoring about 25 points per game. Defense has been, like, like Stern says, Ben, don't break. That's what they've really been up to. And, and I, I, when I looked at the roster, I was shocked that Patty Fisher is somehow still on the team. But Patty Fisher, linebacker, leads that defense a little bit. And, and it's just a Pat Fitzgerald team. They're, they'll find a way to beat you. That, that is just how they kind of operate. And when I look back and I think about Pat Fitzgerald teams, I think about that team – I think three years ago, Brian Lewerke's sophomore year, where Lewerke sets all these throwing records against Northwestern, against a team who's not usually that offensively proficient. And Northwest and Pat Fitzgerald goes, "Hey, MSU's linebackers can't cover anyone. We're going to that." And I think that's just the mark of a good coach. He he he's not like Belichick, but he is definitely a guy who will go after your weaknesses. And that is, I think the calling card of Pat Fitzgerald. He, he's not a stubborn coach. He just to what he has. Yeah. And they're that's the thing. Right. That, that's what you think about when you think about Northwestern is they're just going to do just enough to win. And that's what I think this game, you mentioned it earlier, Nathan, how the next two weeks are going to be really rough for Michigan state. And I agree 100%, but this game Saturday, we'll, we'll get to it in the pick them later. But this game Saturday has the potential to be close. If Michigan State can find a way to, like, score 14 points, they're going to give themselves a good chance uh, – definitely a chance to cover 13.5. And, and maybe – I don't know. Northwestern's offense, they've been improved from last year, but that's not saying much. I mean, they were – they were not very good against Wisconsin. I mean, they – 17 points is not going to win you many games in today's day and age of college football. So the fact that Wisconsin was sloppy and turned the ball over four or five times, I think um, was the reason that they won. But I think Northwestern, this is to me, not close to Pat's best team at Northwestern. I think that he's, they, they benefited from a fairly favorable schedule to start this season. And um, they deserve to be where they are, but, I just I'm not completely in on on them maybe as much as some other people are. I mean they played a better schedule than OSU. I mean you did you did beat Wisconsin, you did beat Purdue, you did beat Iowa, who's now rattled off three in a row. So I mean they played some half decent squads, but they just it's it's cliche as it sounds. They play complimentary football. I'm gonna steal a phrase from that Mel Tucker used about 85 times in his media availability session yesterday. At the end of the day, they don't hurt themselves. They don't commit stupid penalties. They don't miss assignments. They don't turn the ball over, but they'll force you to turn the ball over. I think they have a plus eight. I, Mel was saying something about them having like a plus eight, plus nine turnover margin. They're not the most athletically talented. They're not going to run. They don't have a bunch of guys that run four, four forties and are going to blow past your secondary. It's just not in their DNA. But what they do do is they don't shoot themselves in the foot. And it's hard to beat a team that doesn't do that. Because frankly, with a with a like from a talent perspective, Northwestern's still above Michigan State, and Michigan State's going to need Northwestern to commit some stupid boneheaded plays to have a shot to win. But more than anything else, if you're Mel Tucker, this is the program you strive to be. 
you're never going to recruit like Ohio State. Okay, that, that's not something that's reasonably going to happen. Nobody recruits like Ohio State. So you need to do what, you, what, what your predecessor did for a long period of time. You turn three and four stars into five stars. Okay, you co- you're tough. You're, you might not be the most physically gifted team at every position of the field, but you find a way. You find a way to win. Survive in advance. The old March Madness analogy. That's what Fitzgerald does. Like, bar none. I mean, from when they were winning the Music City Bowl three, four years back, and they had 10 wins, to now, I mean, they just reload. And it's I, – I was a little down on them after that terrible three and nine year last year, but they've rebounded well. There's a reason, as I said a couple weeks ago, why Fitzgerald – was a hot commodity for the Packers before they hired LaFleur. So I, 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 I'm on the same wavelength with Eric. I think this is a game that could, because Northwestern don't blow people out. They, re, they really, really don't. They, they're not a team that's going to drop 40. But they, they ju- they, they've mastered the art of winning ugly, perhaps better than any other team in the Big Ten. So this could very well be, you know, a – Maybe they have a little bit of a hangover too, because they know as well as anybody that they're going to Andy. There's no way that they don't know, but eh, I just I, I can't see it in a Pat Fitzgerald coach team. They have five turnovers and 80 yards of penalty, you know, 80 penalty yards, and frankly, that's what MSU is going to need to win. I'll I'll say this about like this Northwestern team. Just I. <laughs> I, you're completely right. They just don't shoot themselves in the foot. But the one thing I was going to mention about Michigan State, as we kind of look into what their game plan is this week against Northwestern, how many quarterbacks do you guys think we see this week? Thorn. I one. think it's only Thorn. Because, well, Day doesn't know the I playbook. Agree. You're not going to put Day in because Day doesn't know what play to call. So I, I mean, I, I think that's a little unfair, right? He hasn't had an opportunity under Mel Tucker's system. But I, I'm saying I, – I, I think you might see three quarterbacks this Saturday. I don't know. No, I I, I think I don't think earned any chance he has. I think I think Mel knows as well as anybody that especially with the Maryland game canceled, that's just a, a game lesser reps that Thorne's going to get. I mean, and the fact that Day was is being beat out by a guy who was committed to Western Michigan and Lombardi's kind of tells you all you need to know. I mean, it just. <laughs> I think it. I think it's Thorn. I think it's the Thorn Show. I really do. We'll see. I, I don't know. I think so. I think I agree. I agree with Stearns. I think that Lombardi, that Lombardi is going to be a last resort if Thorn performs really poorly on Saturday. But I think that if Thorn is somewhat competent, that it's going to be his to to ride out at least for this Saturday. And they might reevaluate after this game to see, but. I think Thorne starts and they stick with him until they just absolutely can't. That was kind of the case with Rocky. I mean, they stuck with him until they just absolutely couldn't. You know? And yeah. I think that Thorne should hopefully get the same the same courtesy. He's yeah. going to be a longer leash, you would think, because he's a freshman. I mean, Lombardi, even though he's only you know started three games before this year, has been in this system. He's a college quarterback. Thorne in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of just being utterly inexperienced, I think he'll be afforded a longer leash than Lombardi has. Yeah, we'll see. But, I mean, we're going to dive deeper uh, during the pick when we make our picks. But let's move into the pick Last week, I mean, Joe Dandron, I mean, my God, are, are you kidding me? Eight and two. He's now 30 and 12 total. 
at a 70% clip right now. If you're following Joe Dandridge's pits right now, you are a very rich man. So shout out JD. I need to start betting on my picks. I, I know. It's, I mean, you should be. I mean, my goodness. 30 I'm going to do that this week and then I'm going to lose. 12 is like an astonishing exactly. number. It's, it's like an actually astonishing number. But, I mean, Eric Bach. Five I mean, but five. if you think about it, there's a four-game difference between me and Bach. So maybe it's not that astonishing. Eh, I mean, Nathan Stearns. Mm. Four game between you and Nathan Stearns. Stearns passed me up this week. Yeah, Nathan Stearns went six and four. He's 26 oh. and 16. That, I mean, at a 60% clip, are you kidding me? I mean, just absolutely killing it. And then you got Eric Bach and I both went five and five. Eric is one game behind Stearns, 25 and 70, 17, just at like a 60% clip. And then I'm 500 at 21 and 21. So, I mean, not bad. You were 500 coming into last week and went 500 last week, Colin. You, you are the ultimate break even. even guy. Breaking even. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, whatever. Let's move on. I mean, there's a bunch of games. It's like at a bunch of random times on Friday. That's what I kind of like about Black Friday. It feels like a Saturday almost every year. Got number 13, Iowa State plus one and a half at Texas noon on ABC. Texas number 17 in the country. We'll start off here with Joe Dandron, our leader in the pick'em. We're talking about Iowa State. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Iowa State. Tats- yeah, do you have the doc open, by the way? Yes, I do have the doc up now. Okay. <laughs> I didn't for the entire show until now, so I had absolutely no idea where we were, you know, how which way we were going. Um, I love the adaptability by you there. Yeah, that's how I say how I handle most things. So, um, <laughs> well, okay. Hey, Iowa State had a big win. I can believe over Kansas State last week. Texas. I just don't ever trust Tom Herman. Like I have. I was a big Tom Herman guy when he went to, you know, growing up a Buckeye, love Tom Herman. Me and my dad are big Tom Herman slappies. But I have not been able to trust him since he was at Texas, Iowa State, one and a half. I'm going to take them to cover that. They're going to win outright. Okay, okay. I, I'm going to disagree with you. I like Texas this week. This seems like a game it's Texas. at Texas. I just now realized that. Yeah. Well, I, the thing Too late. The thing about Texas on things like the Black Friday or Thanksgiving game, they usually kind of, I feel like historically in the last 10 years have laid an egg. Like they really have. Like uh, you looked at, I think, look back to Texas. I think Texas Tech beat them last year. I could be wrong, but I, I, I give me Texas. I, I, I like Texas in this spot. Yeah, me too. No brainer for Texas. I don't think Iowa State's. I've never been high on Iowa State, and both times I picked Texas this year, I've won. So got to stake on the <sighs> Texas train. I'm going with Texas at two, making it three in a row just because from a pure quarterback aspect, I'd take 10 Ellingers before I take one Purdue. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, yeah, so I, I, Iowa State's look better. Yes, they gave Kansas State a whooping for the ages, but, I mean, beating up on Baylor and beating up on Kansas isn't exactly – I mean, that's kind of the equivalent of beating up on a Pop Warner football team, especially Kansas, who – I still wonder how they're not a mid-major school with the way that, with the crap they put out every year. But I, I'm going to go with Texas here too. I just think down, down in Texas, this is a game I think the Longhorns win. And Iowa State's they're both inconsistent. I could see this going either way. But give me the home team. Okay, move on. Number 24, Iowa host Nebraska plus 13 and a half. Does anyone know what this trophy is called? No, there's a trophy. Is there the, a trophy? The Hawk Corn Trophy. It's not that, but it's it's like oh. it's the memorial. I don't know. It's like the war. I don't know. It's like some weird trophy that they made since Iowa and have been in the same conference. 
it's like a semi-rivalry, I guess. I think people in Iowa consider it a rivalry. Just geographically, you know, it makes sense to be a rivalry. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I don't think – and I never really thought it was like an actual rivalry until I heard George Kittle say something about it last year in NFL about how, like, oh, I hated Nebraska. So, I don't know. So, um, Nebraska plus 13 and a half, 1 o'clock on Fox. Mm. I, I, I hate to do it again. I love Nebraska. I just, I, I, I just, I can't stop sipping that Nebraska Kool-Aid. So you're taking Nebraska. Yeah, I am. Plus 13 and a half. I'm going to take Iowa. I picked against Iowa last week at Penn state. That was a dumb, dumb decision. Dude. Mostly I, I, because I trusted Penn state. I did and too. I trust Penn State as much as I trust Nebraska now based on their performance at home against Illinois. So I guess what, when you pick lines, I guess you got to just go with the team you trust the most, right? So mm-hmm. that for me in this game, that's Iowa. So I'm going with the Hawkeyes. When you're looking at this game from a trend aspect, you would think you'd pick Iowa, but I, I hate doing this. I'm, gonna, I'm with Collins. 14 points. I think Iowa's due for a lockdown. I really do. Me too, I think, Stearns. I love I, it. Love you won, I hate agreeing three with in a row, but you, you beat up on MSU, Minnesota, and Penn State. Maybe the three worst teams in the conference. Yes, I know the, the Illinois loss was a bad loss, but they had two scores. And Nebraska doesn't – how do I put this? More often than not in the West, you don't see 21, 28, 35-point wins unless it's one of Wisconsin's once-in-a-generation teams in Illinois putting out what Illinois puts out every year. So I, that's too big of a line for me to get behind. But I, I, I think Iowa wins, but I do think they're due for a little bit of a letdown. So I'm going to go reluctantly with Nebraska here. Is that it, Stearns? Yeah. Okay, I was making sure. Um, hey, the Heroes Trophy, I, I, I looked it up. That's I, what it is. A, okay. a little bit of research called the Heroes Trophy and is awarded to the – Obviously, the winner of the game. It's sponsored by Hy-Vee. Can I say that on here? I don't think so, but well, oh, I mean, well, well, you just did. So that, that's yeah. Well, it's too late. It's yeah. used to recognize individuals from each state for acts of heroism in their communities. Oh, nice. So, there you go. Well, yeah, well, well, friendly rivalry there. But Iowa is a much better football. I don't think Iowa is like anything crazy. I do think they're the much better football team here. And Nebraska is just – they've got serious issues. So, give me Iowa. Okay. Okay. I mean, Steph Ross needs one of these games. I mean, just absolutely I, – I, People have been saying that for 36 weeks. I know. Like, dude, every year. I, every year people say that every week, and then it never happens. It never works. Well, Even I had a good quarter. AJ Martinez was good. Yeah. I think all these coaches who've been on Ruined the past couple of years are going to get a break. Honestly, just the COVID year, there's just a lot going on. But I mean, win football games. Yeah. Who'd you pick, Joe? Pit Iowa. Okay. Okay. Now we move on. I think probably the best game on Friday, and, and my upset special no, number two Notre Dame minus five at North Carolina three thirty ABC. I think North Carolina is going to win this game by two touchdowns. I truly believe that. This. Oh. I I I, th- I think this is a spot where North Tra- this is a great spot for North Carolina. I know I'm a Sam Howell like fanboy. No, I love Matt Brown. I'm also an Ian Book guy. I just this feels like a, a game Notre Dame loses. 
And, and I know in previous years and last games of the season or when it, when they've been in opportunities like this, they've usually come through in the past 10 years in Brian Kelly. They've usually been able to win the, like the biggest, biggest game to get them to the bigger game. And then they lose the bigger game. If you know what I'm saying? Like when they, they don't went on the road, beat USC, went on the road, beat Stan. Like they've done that in previous years, but I, I, I just think North Carolina who's kind of underachieved the second half of this season will come out to play for Notre Dame. And, and, and I think, I think North Carolina's going to win just outright. North Carolina's not ready for this moment. I, I just, I don't think so. Not, not yet. Not yet. North Carolina guy, Nate, you you got to support the Tar Heels. I thought you were the Tar Heels guy. There's a big difference between being You gave up 53 points to Wake Forest. Sam Hartman, come on, dude. How are you going to stop Ian Book? I mean, it's just, I I can't see it happening. You gave up 44 points to Virginia. North Carolina's defense is putrid. Absolutely putrid. I think this is going to be a higher scoring game, but this isn't a game that traditionally North Carolina wins. I think it just, there's a big difference between beating Duke and Wake Forest and beating Notre Dame. There just is. The gulf between those two teams is huge. So I got to go with Notre Dame here. Go ahead, Joe. Okay. Um, I, you know, I don't uh, – North Carolina also – I think the bigger worry here is the Notre Dame defense trying to contain Sam Howell. I'm not going to – you know, Ian Book, obviously incredible quarterback, but Sam Howell is a better quarterback in my opinion. Um, but Notre Dame, five is a weird line, I feel like, for this game. Like, I feel like it's either going to be a touchdown or North Carolina is going to win. So – I'm going to go out a little bit of a limb here because I don't feel super comfortable about this one. I'm going to go Notre Dame. You know, when you said you were going out on a limb, I thought that meant you were going North I Carolina. Yeah. I, I'm going I'm going Notre Dame, and I feel good about it. I don't think North Carolina – I'm higher on Notre Dame than the rest of you guys, and I think that they're really good. I like Ian Book. I think Brian Kelly is a top ten coach in the country, maybe top five, and I think that they get this done because they know what's on the line. Like yes. they're basically playing in a playoff game every week from now on because they don't have, well, they do have their conference championship game, but they don't have any margin for error until they play Clemson again. So, and I think they know this. And I, I think, think they, they, could lose, they could lose for this that. week and be Clemson again and be in the playoff. Well, right. Oh yeah. But if, but if they, if they lose a game before they lose to Clemson, then they cannot afford to lose to Clemson. You yes. want to go into that Clemson game, being able to afford to lose. And, um, I think that they're going to be focused and on track. So I'm going Irish, and I feel confident about that. I think Daz Newsom has 152 TDs. I, I I just think UNC has speed that can hurt Notre Dame on the edges a little bit. And you kind of saw that when they played Clemson. I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game. It'll be close for a little bit. I, I don't know. I just love UNC this week. Okay, we move on to Saturday. Maryland back after their two games canceled Due to COVID, I don't know if Mike Lotsley's coaching since he contracted the virus last week. Maryland is plus 12 at Indiana, number 12. Noon kick, ESPN 2. I'll say this. I, this feels like a letdown Indiana spot. After uh, you had a big opportunity against Ohio State, you kind of fell short. I'm not saying Indiana's going to lose this game. I just think I, I could see Indiana kind of sleepwalking through the first half of this, and I think Maryland will cover the 12 points. I don't. I think Indiana is going to be mad that they knew they had a chance to win and they blew it. I think they're going to be 
they, they're going to be mad. And I'm not high on Maryland. I know everybody else is talking about, oh, they're so improved. Yeah, you, you were down by a, well, you're down by 17 and you had to go back in overtime and beat Minnesota. You beat a crappy Penn State team and you got run off the field by Northwestern. So I'm not, I'm not high on Maryland nearly as much as I think everybody else is. And I, this is a game I think Indiana wins easily. This is my easiest pick of the game. I think Indiana nailing it. They're going to be bad. They had a chance to win that game. And they knew that they win that game. They're, they're, they're the representative in the East. And it was there for the taking and they blew it. So this is an easy one for me. Give me Indiana. Joe? 12 is too many points. I'm sorry, Bach. I didn't know if you were going or not. Um, Maryland's offense is pretty good. They can put up points in a hurry. So, and Taco Vailoa is legit. I'm going to take Maryland here. Okay. Okay. Another easy 12. one for me. I'm with Stearns. I, I think that Indiana covers this easily. I don't think Maryland. Maryland's – we're giving Maryland too much credit for what they did to Penn State because Penn State that is, is true. dead. That is true. Penn State is dead. So I think that I think that Indiana covers twelve fairly easily. Yeah, speaking of Penn State being dead, they're getting two points this week on the road. ABC noon kick against the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan going with McNamara. I think this is. I mean, I love Michigan covering two points this week. And I've been on. The, I think last week we finally all got on the right side of Michigan. We've all struggled to kind of figure out Michigan this season. But I mean, I, I like Michigan to cover. Minus two. I just think Penn State's kind of given up. And I thought they weren't. I thought they weren't going to give up. It seems like until maybe they play Michigan State, they could be over. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. Um I, I like Michigan here. I think that they find a way. Penn State Penn State has played well at in certain flashes of games, but I think Michigan's a little bit more confident now that they have a quarterback that actually played well and I'm picking Michigan not because I think they're good, but I just think the Penn State's even worse off than they are. So I'm going Wolverines. As much as I hate to pick Michigan, I I, I can't in good faith pick Franklin. I mean, they they don't look like they give a, a rat's behind anymore. I mean, after 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 getting run off the field against Iowa, that that was kind of the final straw in the coffin for me. Michigan has a there's a little bit of juice left. There ain't a lot, but a little bit of juice is more than what Penn State has right now. I just gut wise, I think Michigan right now is a little bit more there mentally. They're still not there, you know. They're still not whatever, but I it does help when you have a quarterback that doesn't throw every overthrow every receiver by 15 yards and throws a 98 mile an hour fastball when you're running a short dig. So I, I got to go with Michigan here too. I like Michigan here as well. I think the quarterback problems have been solved a little bit for them. Um, watch us all pick Michigan and then be proven wrong by a pretty 0-5 yeah. Penn State team. But two, that's a, I don't know, odd line again. I really like Michigan here, though. Are Penn State and Michigan rivals? I've always had this question. No, I don't think so. Me either. Great jersey game, they've though. Had some classic, jersey they've game. had some classic games over the years, though. For sure. I mean, they've been, back when Back with Joe Pa versus Bo back in that era. It was a pretty – some pretty pretty good games. And but, yeah, he had some good games when Gary was there too. They were pretty good. Yeah. And, I mean, there's that one game, I think, Henny's freshman year where they 
Michigan scores a touchdown on the final play of the game against Penn State. That was pretty good too. I don't know. I don't. It's always weird because you're right, Eric. They do have classic games. I think there's some animosity from Penn State side, but I don't think Michigan really cares. So I don't know. I've always wondered that. That's game, and this is an actual rivalry game. Probably one of the biggest <laughs> top five rivalry games in the country. Number twenty-two Auburn plus twenty-four and a half at number one Alabama, three thirty on CBS. Auburn won last year. Matt Jones was the quarterback for Alabama, filling in for Tua last year on the road in Auburn this year in Tuscaloosa. I'll start us off. I think Auburn, 24 and a half is a lot of points for this rivalry. And I hate Bo Nix. And I, trust me, I don't think he's good at all. But I, I just don't think Alabama has got to – they have enough to cover 24 and a half. But in the Iron Bowl, weird things happen. Like, this is a rivalry where, like, you actually – you don't throw out the records, but, like – I think maybe in my lifetime I've seen Auburn get blown out once in this rivalry. There's not a lot of blowouts in this rivalry. Go ahead, Joe. I was firing off a tweet about the uh, USF game that I got out of the background. Sorry. Um, Iron Bowl, Alabama is, like, incredibly better than Auburn. I don't really – like, Auburn, right? They're, I don't know. How, are they good this year? I don't really watch any Auburn football. Oh, I know Alabama is like – I mean, I saw that Georgia game. I've watched a little bit of Alabama here and there. They're a lot better. Mac Jones is sick. So, 24 and a half, though, is a lot of points. So, I do like Auburn to cover the points, but they're still going to get smoked. I've gone back and forth on this line. I really have because Alabama just looks like a, a train that's headed toward a national championship. Deck Mississippi State. Decked Kentucky. Decked Georgia, decked Tennessee. I mean, this 24 and a half line, they've beaten three out of the four teams they played by more than that. And I know it's a rivalry game, but I just, I can't pick against Alabama right now. I mean, they look like a national, like the favorite to win the national title. I know it's a rivalry game, but, and I know they don't have Nick Saban, but I think just the, the massive, the sheer amount of talent. You know, I think they're gonna they're gonna go out. They're gonna play for Saban. I really do, and I think this is a game that Auburn gets run off. This isn't Cam Newton's Auburn team. This is a very middle tier, you know, struggling getting the top twenty five Auburn team. So I gotta go with Alabama. I think they win by four scores. The thing about that though, but like these middling Auburn teams against very good Alabama teams. I know this is a long time ago. I think about like oh nine, like those games are usually close, unless it was like Gene Chizik when he went two and ten. There hasn't really been a blowout in this game. They usually make it close. That's why I say that. Yeah, I I wanted to pick Auburn, but in the spirit of the competition of the SRZ Pick'em, because Joe went Auburn, I have to go Alabama. I I think that Alabama – Have some integrity, Eric. Come on. I don't know, man. I mean, I wanted to – I wanted One more game for me. But I can see – I can see Alabama just blowing them out. I just – I don't know. I know that rivalry games are weird, but I just think that Money. I'm with you, Collins. I don't think Bo Nix is very good. I'm just going to – I'm going to go Alabama. It's, it's hard to hard to go wrong when you pick Alabama, right? You're right. You're usually not, you're usually not on the losing side when you take the tide. Right. Back in the Big Ten, Rutgers plus 11.5 at Purdue, 4 o'clock, FS1. Give me the Boilermakers. I, I, I'm i a sucker for Purdue football. 
even though Rutgers, I mean, has played very hard this year, I just think I think Purdue will put up a lot of points against Rutgers, and I don't think Rutgers will be able to put keep up with Purdue. Too many points for me. Just simply too many points. I Rutgers is a very gritty, hard work. They got to learn how to win, but they keep these games close. I mean, they really should have three wins right now. You blew it a couple weeks ago in Illinois. You're up by ten. You you blew it against a bad Michigan team. That's just, I, I, this is going to be another game where I, you know Purdue's right in the middle, like talent wise, performance wise in the in the West. So I'm going to go with the Boilermakers to win, but I don't think they cover eleven and a half. So I'm going to go with Rutgers. I'm I've lost the last two weeks picking Purdue. So I'm not going to continue on that streak. If I lose, if Purdue screws me, I'm just going to leave them off the uh, the pick them the next few weeks, so I don't have the opportunity to uh, to have them screw me over. So I'm going Rutgers because I picked Purdue the last two weeks and they failed me both times. Joe, Joe, do Rutgers. we have you? <laughs> what Rutgers? <laughs> Rutgers put up a that game against Michigan refused to end. Bach, as you know, because we were it was like midnight and that game still wasn't over. But I got I don't want to I don't want to go follow up Collins. I've been following Collins a lot today. I don't know how well that'll suit me. So I like Rutgers nice. to cover the look cover the points here. Um I think they've showed some things. They showed some things against Michigan. And I don't know how well much I trust Purdue either. Okay. Okay. Into the ACC 330 kick on ESPN. Number three, Clemson host Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh getting 24 and a half. Uh, I'm not going to say this is like some sort of like watch out game, but Pittsburgh throughout this season, like their defense isn't horrible. They've had some issues and injuries at the quarterback position. I think Pittsburgh's actually going to cover here. I do. I, and I, I think Clemson is going to win maybe by like 10 points or something, but I do think this will be a game that's close in the first half because the Pittsburgh team you saw for three or four weeks there was not really the fully equipped one, and they got Kenny Pickett back, and they're a lot different of a football team when Pickett is that quarterback. So give me Pittsburgh. No, I think this is going to be a whooping of epic proportions. You finally get you finally get Lawrence back, and Clemson needs all the style points they can get right now. They need to pad that resume as much as they possibly can. <sighs> Again, Pittsburgh, you know, the theme of the game, the theme of the pick today, middling teams. So I just, this is the first time they get Lawrence back. I think they're happy. I think they're excited after the week off. So I'm going to take Clemson here. Go. What, Bach, I was going to go. I'm just making sure that you go. (laughs) No, so yeah, I know, because I can't keep going last. Um, So Clemson is obviously the much better football team here, but – Collins brought up a good point about having Pickett back. And Pittsburgh is an entirely different um, team when that happens. And so 24 and a half, again, it's a lot of points. I have I have a hard time trusting point spreads like that because that's just like a lot to get to. I understand these teams, but I don't know. I'm going to go Pittsburgh here. I'm with Stearns. I think that Clemson, with Trevor back, pissed off about not playing uh, at Florida State. Spells blow out. I'm going Tigers. Okay. Okay. I, I, I hate you to can't go you. wrong betting Clemson and Alabama, fellas. You just can't. I know. I know. I hate to accuse you of this, Bob, but I, I might have to make you go first on this Nets pitch because I think you're okay. trying to figure out. I'll go out. first. 
Yeah, I may, I think you're trying to figure out what Joe was picking, and then you're trying no. to on the opposite side. I'm not. Hey, I'm not accusing I, you of anything. Not accusing you of anything. All right, I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, Good. Northwestern. It's Northwestern of Michigan State. Yes. Minus 13 and a half for the Wildcats in Spartan <laughs> Stadium, 3.30 ESPN2. Um, I think that Northwestern is going to cover because they're going to get a defensive score in the game. I think that Northwestern's offense is not good enough to cover 13 and a half, but they will get the aid from a defensive or special teams touchdown. So I'm going to pick the Wildcats to cover. Too many points for me. Northwestern hasn't won a game by that. They don't, that, that Wisconsin win was the first time that they beat a team by double digits, that they won by more than one score. This was a Northwestern team that beat a really lousy Iowa team the first two weeks of the season, at least, by one. They beat Nebraska by eight. They beat – they just don't blow teams out there. Again, you know, I know we said gritty, yada, yada, yada. But they you, – you yourself, Eric, said earlier they do just enough to win. So when you do just enough to win, you normally don't win by 13 and a half. So I think this is going to be like a 24-17, 20-13 game. Michigan State's not going to win this one, but this is going to be a bit of a slugfest. I think Northwestern has a bit of a hangover from beating Wisconsin. And I, I just, whenever you have expectations put on you as a football team, a lot of times you see a team play completely different than you do when nobody expects anything of them and they play with reckless abandon. Uh, I have no faith in this Michigan State offense to put up any points. And, and I think this Michigan State defense does play hard. And I think I heard Fitzgerald says that. He said, the first thing I saw in the film, they play very, very hard. And they do. And, they, and they've been in a lot of tough positions this year, and they've played pretty well. Like, they're middle of the pack, bit 10 defense. I just have no faith in this offense to put up enough points to cover this game. I, I think it's maybe – a 17 to nothing. Like it's just, I, this offense is ugly right now. And, and I, and if weather's a factor, I think it, that hurts Michigan state even more because they can't well, run. It's supposed ball. to be supposed to be 44 and sunny. On okay. Saturday so weather is not a factor, but I, <laughs> there goes my point about how Michigan state can't run the football. If it's a cold weather game, but I, I, and they can't run the football. And when you're starting quarterbacks who have limited experience and you don't have great protection and your best part of your team is your weapons outside and you can't even get it to them, I don't know. I just don't see Michigan State storing enough points to cover. Jordan. Dandron somehow goes last again. Dandron <laughs> has not gone last half the show. So let's I haven't, I haven't gone last in three weeks. Um, I, I don't know about right, that, sure. but uh, – uh, all right. So, hey, Northwestern for a team, they they did they did smoke Maryland week one. They did. That is true, yeah. That is true. Yes, 43-3. And I, they're, they're going to shut out Michigan State, I think. This defense is legit. The linebackers are probably – those two linebackers, <laughs> I think it's Gallagher and um, – what is it, Patty – Patty Fisher. Patty Fisher. Those two, I mean, that might be the two, that might be the two best lineback, like the best linebacking group in the Big Ten. Um, and, and he probably is. Secondary is really good. They're really good on, the, on both sides of the ball up front. I like Northwestern to win pretty handily here. Um, and I don't, I think Michigan State maybe scores once. Okay. Okay. 
There it is. But, y- but yeah, the I mean, saving but the saving grace is that Ramsey has not completed a pass over 25 yards this year. That is fair. Which is incredible. Which is incredible. I know at first I don't remember Northwestern having a good team that Michigan State's beat. Like every I feel like Michigan State's had a they've had a hard time over the last decade beating good Northwestern football teams. So I don't know. We'll see. I am very interested to see because last week, I think before that they were supposed to play Maryland for the first time, you kind of saw like you're either with us or against us from Mel Tucker. If you kind of see that passion this week against Northwestern, I don't know if you see it on the defensive side of the football or if they're able to run the football a little bit better on the offensive line. I would be very curious if that if that was able to get in touch with some of those players. And do we have any idea if the secondary who's playing in the secondary this week is everyone healthy again? Haven't it's heard. No, assume yeah. probably won't know. Uh, you would assume that that at least one of the two between Gervin and Person will be back. Okay. What about Chris Jackson? Jackson. I don't know what's up with him. He's been out. For I mean, they've had you know two weeks or a week off. You'd you'd think that if the injuries aren't season ending, that they'd find a way to get at least one of those guys back. But could be COVID. Yeah. Never know. We'll see. Never mind. No. <laughs> never, never know. Never know. Never mind. But I mean, day before Thanksgiving, you can't really do anything. Like uh, it's kind of funny. You turn twenty-one, you're like, oh, I can't wait to go home. Uh, have a nice Thanksgiving door to the bar with all my friends uh, from high school. Can't do that this year. So enjoy your time with your family. Have a nice Thanksgiving. I think we're going to release this on Friday, so I don't know why I'm saying have a nice Thanksgiving. I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving on Thursday, and hopefully the Lions didn't make you sad. Like, they're going to make me sad on Thursday. For for Ryan Collins, Eric Bott, Nathan Stearns, Joe Dandron. Like Eric Bott said, we are on the radio live. Wait, did you say it on here? That you guys are didn't say it yet. You got it. Okay, so set it up for me, Eric Bach. Three fifteen. Three fifteen PM Eastern Time. Myself and Nathan Stearns. Impact eighty nine FM dot org slash listen live. Michigan State Northwestern. And then Michigan State and Notre Dame basketball at eight PM. Uh Brendan Shabath and Luke Sloan will follow us right up. If we can manage the equipment exchange um and the timing works out right, they'll be on the air around eight around tip off for Michigan State and Notre Dame basketball. Spartan Hoops tips off tonight. Exciting times. Yes. College basketball is back. And I don't know. They're having the same problems college football is, so who knows. But for Ryan Collins, Eric Bach, Nathan Stearns, Joe Dandron, thank you for listening to SRZ. We'll see you guys next week. And hopefully we have something to talk about with Michigan State football. But we'll see you guys next week.